Oh, you guys. You guys are the best. You can take a seat. Thank you so much. Red Rocks Church, you doing good tonight, huh? You doing good? All right, welcome to church. I love this place, man. This feels like family to me. I don't know if anybody else agrees. They walk in here, they feel like they have family at this church. I feel it every single week, and I'm so grateful so grateful to work here, and uh, I just want to say welcome to all of you. I'm so grateful to be an imperfect person next to all you imperfect people, just doing our best to pursue a perfect God. I love this place. And by the way, okay, hey, rule, to, rule today, if, if, if anybody claps, everybody has to clap. We have to commit to it and go for it. We're going to have a much better day at church if we do that, I promise you. But uh, if this is your first time to Red Rocks Church, first of all, welcome to you. I want to let you know that if you are looking for the perfect church, you did not find it. Because truly what this is, is imperfect people doing our best to pursue a perfect God. We are not perfect. We can't even guarantee you a parking spot at like any of our locations. We can't do that right now. But what we can do is do everything that we possibly can to make you feel at home the moment you walk into any one of our locations. What, what we are is a group of people who love Jesus and are trying to make him famous and heaven more crowded with everything that we do. That's what you'll find at every Red Rocks location that you walk into. And so welcome. I am so blessed by this place and what God's doing through the, the culture and DNA of Red Rocks, and I, I cannot wait to share it with the amazing people of Austin, Texas. And so, if you want to know more about Red Rocks Austin, got good news for you. If you're interested in, in maybe going, like if you're feeling crazy or, or serving or connecting somebody that you know who lives in Austin, we are doing a vision night on Monday, March 19th at the Lakewood campus at 7 p.m. You'll find out all the information that you, that you need plus more, okay? If you're watching this right now in Austin, Texas, and I know you are because you've been emailing us and we're so excited to finally meet you, we are also doing a vision night in Austin that same night, Monday, March 19th, at a really cool, trendy Austin spot called the Peached Social. And so be there Monday, March 19th at 7. This is a lot of info, I know. That's why we made it easy. You can just go to www.redrocksaustin.com to find all of that information and more. And so I want to point you there. And I'm going to transition right now into a story. My very first week at Red Rocks Church working here was about four years ago. I had never even met Sean Johnson yet. And the guy emails me and says, Doug, come to my office. And I was not going to lie, I was a little panicked when I got that. It was kind of like going to the principal's office, you know? And so I walk into Sean's office like, what did I do? And I sit down on the couch opposite of him, and the guy like peers into my soul, and he said this. He said, you're a dreamer, aren't you? And I was like, yes, wow, thank you. I am, Sean. And uh, he said, by any chance, is one of those dreams to plant a church one day? And I thought, yes, but nice try. I'm not going to tell my brand new boss of the church I just started working at that I have plans and a dream beyond his church. Like, nice try. You get fired for doing that at some churches, and I'm not kidding. But I, I'm a Christian, and so I ended up just kind of spilling my guts and telling him the truth. And I said, yes, Sean, I, like... I do feel that, man, but it's God's fault, man. He's the one calling me, dude. I want to be here at your church, man. This is God's fault. 
But, you know, I, like, I feel like, yeah, maybe one day God could use me and my friends to reach a city in the same way that he's used you and your friends to reach a city. And, and I, I felt this. I know it's not just emotions because it's been around for seven years now. And, and uh, yeah, man, maybe one day. I'm sorry. I'll go clear out my desk. I'll be out of here by three. Sorry to waste your time, right? And I'll never forget what he said because this is one of my favorite stories ever. He looked at me and he said, when and if that happens, I want you to know that Red Rocks Church has your back. We're going to be in your corner. We're going to be your biggest cheerleaders. We're going to give you everything that you need to go out to wherever you go and reach people for the name of Jesus Christ. Because that's what this is about. This ain't about Red Rocks Church. This is about heaven forever, right? He looked at me and he said, and 15 years from now, when you've got some young 25-year-old kid, passionate kid, dreaming out loud in your office, you better tell him exactly what I told you that it's not about Red Rocks. It's not about whatever church you might be working for. It's about the big church, capital C church. It's about the kingdom of heaven. It's about lost people coming home to know Jesus. It's about, that's what, I mean, you want to talk about like security and confidence and a kingdom mindset of your leader. You just have to know that's who your leader is. That's what he is all about. He is not afraid. He is not competitive with other churches. He is kingdom of God mindset. And whatever we have to do to reach more people, this ain't about the 30, 50, 60 years here. This is about heaven forever, right? And he said that, and I'm like, yeah, okay. I, I knew you were clapping in your hearts anyways that whole time. Don't worry. He said that, and I'm like, well, dang it. Now I just want to be here. Like, I don't want to go anywhere else now. I love this. I love this kingdom mindset of Red Rocks Church, and that's why I'm so excited to share it with the people of Austin, Texas, the DNA of Red Rocks. I cannot wait, because God's doing something incredible through this church, and I just want to share it with a different city. That's the mission and the heart behind this whole thing. And so that's a little bit about that. I'm a... Uh, I might bring that back a little bit at the end of this message, but right now, I just want to preach a little bit, and um, we, are, we are now in week 10 of this Live Free series that has been so awesome, and if you're taking notes tonight, and I know you are because you love Jesus, so you take notes. In the spirit of the great theologian Steven Tyler and Aerosmith and Bruce Willis and Ben Affleck, the title of this message is, I don't want to miss a thing. I don't want to miss a thing. And so write that down if you're taking notes. Right now, we're about to pray. But I'm wondering, can we all at this campus and at every campus, can we stand up? Even if you're at home right now, can we stand up? But Littleton, Lakewood, Evergreen, Arvada, Brussels, both of our God Behind Bars campuses. By the way, let's make some noise right now and make them feel loved. We love you guys. We're, about, we're standing up uh, because uh, you're about a foot and a half closer now to God. And so, I'm kidding. But when I was little, I used to think that you had to like go outside to pray because at the time I did not know that God could magically see through roofs. Turns out he can, so we're good. We're not standing up for God. We're standing up because we, we are about to talk to the creator of the universe. And what's crazier is he's about to listen, right? And I just don't want to miss a thing. I don't want to miss this, right? Mark Batterson has a quote. He says, when you regularly pray, irregular things begin to happen in your life on a regular basis. That's crazy because prayer actually works. God actually hears and responds, right? Prayer, like if you're ever bored in your faith, try praying. I promise you, nobody who consistently converses with the Alpha and the Omega ever gets bored in their faith. 
Because prayer turns theology into experience. And God can do immeasurably more through us when our focus is on him than, he, than we ever could on our own. And so let's give him our focus and our attention right now. God, we love you so much. I pray you'd burn away every distraction. Because we all have them. But they can wait. We're here to meet with you. To hear from heaven. And so we simply just say this, God, speak, because we're listening right now. We love you so much. Thank you for this church, this family. We pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. And everybody say amen. Amen. All right, you guys can take a seat. Take a seat. I, uh, I love weddings. Anybody else? Wedding fans in here? Almost as much as I love honeymoons. Whoever came up with the honeymoon, I just want to give that person a hug, right? The most, uh, <laughs> the most unjustified yet amazing vacation of all time. I love honeymoons. I love weddings. I just hope 20 years from now, weddings look a little bit different. And by that, I mean I hope they're less expensive than they are right now. Because I'm about to, here's a little announcement into my world right now. But my wife is right now pregnant with our very first kid. Yeah, thank you. Who, by the way, we are having one month after we moved to Austin to plant a church. So please pray for us. And I'm not, but seriously, please pray for us. I'm kind of panicked about that. Um, And we're not going to find out the gender. But part of me, like, I would love to have a little girl. I would love to have a little girl, man. I just, uh, um, maybe this is an irrational fear because I just don't know yet, but I now know how expensive weddings are, (laughs) you know? And so I like the thought of having to give your little girl away on the same day that you pay thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars for like one party, rather than give that to her for like a down payment on a house, you know? Like we're still doing this, you know? Like, please don't hear that I'm anti-parties. I promise you, I am pro-parties. Like it's just a little, it's just scary to me, okay? But attending weddings for free, officiating weddings, like I'm in. I love it. You know, I I love the ceremonies. I love the cheesy lines. I love the vows and the receptions and the free buffets and the virgin cocktails and the the toasts. And And I love the dance floor. Get me on that dance floor. I'll be there all night. That's where you'll find me at every single wedding. Like, that's my thing, right? I love the dance floor until Teach Me How to Dougie comes on. It's a song. Goes like this. That's how it starts. The dance you do to it is called the Dougie. I'm not about to do it, just in case you're looking at me like, do it. You can cut it. No, probably should cut it there, by the way. (laughs) Because in that moment, my name's Doug. Everybody looks at me to teach them how to Dougie. They look at me like, your name's Doug, teach us the Dougie, right? And then I can't do it. Because I can't dance. I swear to you, I cannot be taught how to dance. Now, every time I say that, there's always some well-meaning Christian, some well-meaning person in the crowd, some, uh, the hopeless romantic who says, that's not true. You can dance. Everybody can dance. You just get out there and you have fun. Everyone can dance. And that would be so sweet if it weren't such a lie. It's a lie. All of us can jump onto the dance floor and just kind of like flail around and have fun and be goofy, right? But not all of us were blessed by the good Lord with an ability to externally express the, the rhythm we so clearly feel on the inside. Not all of us can do that. 
I swear, like, on the inside, I'm Will Smith and Hitch. You know what I'm talking about? But on the outside, I am Albert Brenneman. I'm Kevin James. Like, this is my zone. And venturing outside of this is dangerous, okay? I stay here. Unless I'm trying to be the fun, goofy guy, I can, I can, I can kill that, all right? Until that infamous, infamous beat drops. And people look at me, well, your name's Doug. Teach us to Dougie. Dougie, dance for us. Dance for us. And what they don't know is I so badly want to be able to teach them how to Dougie. Like, with everything I have, I wish I could do that. But, but I am, my, my, my dance performance is no match for that beat. It's no match. And I feel like everybody looks at me and they're just like so bummed, like in shock, like, like I ruined the wedding. Like we finally meet a Doug under the age of 65 and he can't even do the Dougie. Like is God even real? Is love even, what are we celebrating? Like let's just go home. Like I ruined the wedding because I can't Dougie, right? <laughs> I'm venting a little bit, but that's why, that's why I married a woman who balances me out because my wife She's got more rhythm in her five foot three body than Michael Jackson does, right? Five foot three and three quarters body, sorry, babe, than Michael Jackson. And when I let everybody down and almost ruin the wedding, she comes in and she teaches everybody how to Dougie. And the wedding I almost ruined, she saves. You'd be amazed how many times this scene has actually played out for us. Like I can expect it every single wedding. If the dance floor is performance-based, I'm out every time. Unless my wife saves the day, ain't no way I'm living free on the dance floor, okay? And, I mean, come on, you guys, you guys know where I'm going with this. Luke 22. Luke 22, obviously. <laughs> if you have your Bibles, we're going to be there. This is Jesus and Peter right now. Jesus is with Peter and the rest of the boys, the rest of his disciples. And it, Peter, man, like if there's anybody uh, in history who'd be like, Jesus, when it comes to the plans that you have for my future, when it comes to the story you want to write through me and the people you want to you reach through me, I do not want to miss a thing, Jesus. I do, like if there's anybody in all of history who would say that, it would be Peter. But right now, just like my performance-based dance experiences, Peter's got some performance-based theology that is keeping him from the plans that Jesus has for him. And so right now, Jesus and the boys are kind of on their way back to Jerusalem. And Jesus is telling his disciples, including Peter, he's saying, we're heading back to Jerusalem. When we get there, just a heads up, it's going to go bad. I'm going to get arrested. You guys are going to scatter. They're even going to kill me. But don't worry. I'm going to come back from the dead three days later. Like, he tells them this, okay? He tells them this, and here's Peter's response to that. Verse 33 in Luke 22. Lord, he told him, I'm ready to go with you, both to prison and even to death. So you know, this is how you know Peter's been having a good few weeks being a follower of Jesus, right? Peter's confident right now because he's probably been having a good performance over the past month. Peter's positive that he's in the inner circle, man, with Jesus. I'm in the inner circle, and I'm never going to be out. But here's what Jesus says back to him. Peter, I tell you, the rooster will not crow today until you deny three times that you know me. Peter's probably confused. He says, no, nah, Jesus, come on. I'm, I'm in, man. I'm confident. I, like, to the cross, I'll go with you. 
But sure enough, they get to Jerusalem. Everything kind of starts to play out exactly how Jesus told him it would. Skip to 54. They seized him, led him away, and brought him into the high priest's house. Meanwhile, Peter was following at a distance. They lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together. And Peter sat among them. When a servant saw him sitting in the light and looked closely at him, she said, This man is one of the disciples. He was with them too. But Peter denied it. Woman, I do not know him. After a little while, somebody else saw him and said, You're one of them too. I know you. Man, I am not, Peter said for a second time. About an hour later, another kept insisting. This man was certainly with Jesus, since he's also a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you're talking about for the third time. Immediately while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. And then the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And if you've ever seen Passion of the Christ, they do this scene so well, where Peter, after denying Jesus, kind of locks eyes with Jesus through a crowd, and Jesus is bruised and beaten and bloody, and you know this is the worst moment of Peter's entire life right here. And you know Peter, in one moment, goes from, I am so in, to I'm out. I am, I am out. Look how that finishes. Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And Peter, who was following Jesus with some passion, went outside and wept bitterly. Peter went outside and he wept bitterly. And so we're all theologians in here. And what I mean by that is we all have thoughts and beliefs about how we relate to God. It's just that sometimes, like Peter, and I'm specifically right now talking about like in the aftermath of a mess up. Our theology can be really, really bad. Like, you know the goodness and grace of Jesus until you mess up again for the hundredth time and you know better and your theology kind of changes to one that's more based on your performance and surely God's mad at you and Jesus is looking at you like, really? And all of a sudden you go from I'm in to I'm out. Peter, all of a sudden, going from following Jesus with, with some zeal and passion to walking away and, and crying because he let Jesus down. I heard a pastor from Seattle by the name of Judah Smith. He talks about the danger of this kind of in and out theology. And, and, and he also talks about how we, as Christians, we can sometimes sabotage ourselves just by the words that we use to describe our faith. We can sabotage ourselves by our Christian vernacular. And so maybe, like, here, I'll give you an example. Maybe you've said this before. Like, oh, man, I'm far from God, man. Like, I, dude, I've, I've drifted, if you know what I mean. Like, I'm all the way over here, and God, man, he's like on the other side of the Rocky Mountains, man. I've drifted. Like, God ain't even close, right? Like, God, God, God. <laughs> See, he's like, dude, I'm, I'm over here. And maybe, maybe you've thought that before. Maybe you feel that right now. Let me just ask you, who told you, Christian, that your poor performance has gotten you far from God? Like, who told you that? Who told you that your poor performance has gotten you far from God? Like you might have drifted from acting like a Christian, but you have not drifted from the presence of God. You can't do that, right? You might feel 
all the way over here and you're wondering, where's God? Bam, he's right here because God is everywhere. And if you've received him, he's alive and at work in here. Because of the perfect performance of Jesus, you've now been given a permanent position. And that permanent position is not out. It will always be in Christ. I'll show you what I mean. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. Regardless of how you feel, this is what's true. Regardless of your Christian performance over 2018 so far, you are in Christ if you know Jesus. Whether you like it or not, you're permanently with God. And your mistakes don't change that, right? Peter thought they did. Peter thought, I'm in Christ, man. And all of a sudden, he's, he's out. We do this all the time. Like, I'm in Christ, man. I'm in the spirit. Been a good week, feeling good. Oh, bad week, I'm out, right? In the flesh again. Dang it. I got to get back. Let me get back. Okay, I'm back in the spirit, baby, with Jesus. God's pumped about me right now, right? Me and God are like this. JC's my boy, right? Ah, oh, drank too much. Ah, oh, looked at pornography again. I'm out. God's mad too. Probably should give him a few days to cool off. But then I'll get back. I gotta get back, right? Let me give that homeless guy 10 bucks. Volunteer on Easter Sunday. Journal, 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 journal. Three days in a row, I am back in and I'm living free. Jesus is smiling at me, right? I am in. Jesus is my boy. This is, you're looking at a new me, right? Oh, but depression is, is back this season. Anxiety is now back. And can you be depressed and still be in at the same time? I don't really know. And to be honest with you, I'm, it's kind of just really exhausting trying to stay in. And so maybe it's just better for me and Jesus and everybody if I just stay out, you know. And so this is, I'll set up shop out. Oh, but look at that sunset. He's got plans for me. I know it. I got to get back. Good church service, good conference, good mission. I got to get back, right? I got to get back. Come on, come on. Oh, okay, I'm back in. Woo! Back in Christ, man. Living free. And I'm vowing right here, right now, that I will always be in for the rest of my life. You're looking at a new person. I will never, ever be out. Felony. Divorce, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, these are, this is varsity stuff now. So I'm out, but this time in, I'm not just out. Like I'm, I'm way out. I've drifted. God is far, but I'll get back. It's going to be a journey though. Guess I'll start. I know God's mad. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. Following Jesus, denied him three times. He loves me, he loves me not. I'm in, I'm out. I'm safe, I'm in trouble. I'm in, I'm out. Heaven forever, I'm kind of worried about hell this week, right? He loves me, he loves me not. I'm in, I'm out, I'm in, I'm out, I'm in, I'm out. Meanwhile, all of Denver and Austin and Brussels and the rest of the world is looking for purpose. But sometimes within the four walls of the church, I'm so preoccupied and panicked 
with my poor performance. And that's a lot of peace. That's how you know that was from God. In and out and in and out. He loves me. He loves me not. I'm in. I'm out. Hey, you guys should come to church with me. You should be Christians too, right? I know I look like I'm in my personal hell right now, but I promise you this God thing's supposed to be legit. You should come to church with me, right? But who would look at that from the outside looking in and go, oh, that's freedom. I mean, like, is that living free? This in and out theology? It's so easy to fall into and so dangerous. Why? Because it causes you to miss your purpose. And if you hear nothing else, hear this. Look at me. In and out makes for an amazing fast food burger chain. And they're coming to Denver. Praise God, they're coming to Denver. But in and out makes for an exhausting, unbiblical, unsustainable, and stupid theology to live by in the good weeks and the bad weeks. It's not real. It's a figment of our imaginations and it robs us of our purpose. Because when you receive your position, you get lit on fire for your purpose. And when you don't have your position, your purpose is fleeting also. Peter spent three years of his life with Jesus before this whole moment. Watching Jesus, watching miracles, learning about this kingdom of heaven, seeing Jesus do his thing. And three times at least, three times recorded in the Bible, Jesus has a little powwow pep talk with all his boys. Little Denzel Washington pump-up talk where he says, boys, take a knee. I got to talk to you about what's going to happen when we get to Jerusalem. We're going to go there. Things are going to go south. I'm going to get arrested. Y'all are going to scatter. I'm going to get beaten. I'm going to be flogged. He tells them this three times. And the crazy thing is they show up to Jerusalem and all of it actually starts to happen exactly how Jesus, would, exactly how Jesus said it would, right? He gets arrested, beaten, and flogged until he's not even recognizable as a man anymore. And as he's hanging there on the cross for the six darkest hours of his entire life, you know that moment at three in the afternoon when the sky went black and the earth shook and the veil over at the temple was torn into two? And all of history was forever changed. The darkest six hours of Jesus' life as he hung there. How many of his disciples do you think made it to the cross to at least give Jesus their company while he hung there for the darkest six hours of his life? How many? One out of 12 best friends made it. And it was not Peter, it was John. A few days later, how many of them made it to the tomb to watch Jesus, their best friend, roll the stone away and walk out of it having just conquered evil and beaten death. None of them, none of them made it there. They missed it because of a performance-based theology. They missed it because their imperfect, weakened performances where they scattered caused so much shame that they couldn't face Jesus. And I know it was a big weekend. It was a crazy weekend from hell for those disciples. I'll give you that. But it was also that weekend for Jesus. 
You probably could use some company, but none of them made it to see either of those events because they were fishing instead of being there. And I'm not trying to dog on the disciples. I, like, I'm not trying to be self-righteous here. I know me. I probably would have been with them. Like, I know, I know how much I struggle with in and out theology. I would have been with them as well. But the truth remains. If they were expectant and if they knew that their relationship with Jesus was based on a position that he perfected rather than their imperfect weakened performances, they would have, they would have witnessed the two most powerful events that history will ever record. The, the cross and the resurrection. But they weren't there. Performance-based theology kills Salvation's completely free. But if you want to see the glories of God in your life, if you want to live free in your life, if you want to see God do amazing things in you and through you and around you, performance-based theology is exactly the thing that will keep that from happening. They missed it. But you know, you know the story. It doesn't end there. And a few days later, it's Sunday morning, and a group of three women are the first to show up at the tomb, and they find it empty. There's no Jesus there, but there is an angel sitting in the tomb. And he has a message for these women. He says, go find the disciples, and this is what Jesus told his messenger to tell them. Go let Peter know that he's still in. Go let Peter know. I could tell you any message right now in the immediate aftermath of conquering death, walking out of the tomb with the keys to hell, swinging around his fingers in the greatest triumph that, the his that history will ever record. And Jesus says, go tell Peter that I love him. Go tell Peter he's still in because I know what Peter's doing right now. He's fishing. He's fishing right now, and he's doing the in and out thing right now. He's struggling. I know he is. I'm in. I'm out. This is Peter. He loves me. He loves me not. I was following him so well. Why would I have to go and deny him, right? I ruined everything, and now Jesus is gone. I'm in. I'm out. I'm in. I'm out. But guess what, Peter? Guess what, Red Rocks Church? You and I now live in a day and age where dead messiahs stand up and walk out of their tombs. And because of that, everything has changed. And you're in. You're in. If you know Jesus, anybody in here know Jesus? At any of our campuses, if you know Jesus, you're in. And you're not out because of your mistakes. You're not out because you flipped that guy off in traffic last week. You're not out because of the habitual sin patterns you're still struggling with. You're not out because you abuse those prescription pills or looked at pornography again. You're not out because of that abortion. You're not out because of anxiety or because of depression. You're not out because you've been divorced. God behind bars, fill in the blank. You're not out for any of it. You're not out for your mistakes. And do you want to know why? Because you're not the one who got yourself in in the first place. You did not perform your way in and you can't perform your way out, even on the worst week of your Christian life. You are not powerful enough to make wrong what he has made right. I love you. I think you're great. You're not that good, even at sinning. You're not powerful enough to make wrong what he has made right. The position he purchased for you 
with his perfect performance. You are now positionally perfect because of Jesus in front of God. Right now, that's how you stand, positionally perfect, despite the fact that in your day-to-day Christian walk, you are very much a work in progress. Positionally perfect. Receive your position like a little kid on Christmas morning. Receive your free position and then you'll actually be able to live free. Receive your position. Because you, know you know how you make changes in your life? Like you grow and you become more like Jesus. It's not by trying harder to perform better. It's called New Year's resolutions. We know how those work out. It's by receiving this position and what your Father in heaven says about you. Learning who you really are. The new creation, the real DNA that runs in your blood. Because learning who you are changes the things that you do. Receive your free position and live free. Receive your free position and watch what God does. Receive your free position, then you're freed up. You can take all the energy that you're putting into trying to stay in. And you can use that to step forward into the plans he has for you past your salvation, past your position. He has plans for you. He has people to reach through you. He has stories to write through you. And in and out theology does nothing but slow that down. The world is so desperate for purpose and salvation right now. We are God's delivery system. So us receiving our positions is for us, but it's for them too. Because it's in the receiving of our positions that our postures are changed to expectant postures that believe he can do immeasurably more than anything I could ask or imagine. He can. I believe it with all my heart. Peter received his position and he went from the the one fishing, missing out on the cross and the resurrection. Those two excruciatingly painful events yet beautifully powerful, earth shattered. Like he missed him. He went from that Peter to receiving his position and then Jesus built the entire church on his back. He said, Peter, you're the rock. I still love you, man. I want to use you. 2,000 years later, we're in Denver on the other side of the world worshiping Jesus because Peter received his position. I've seen God just show off at this church in too many ways. And I'm expecting that we're going to keep seeing it, not because we're awesome, but because he's awesome. I've just seen too much of his goodness. I've seen too many miracles, too many salvations, too many baptisms and stories and lives that are forever changed. Like, I'm ruined for this mission. I've seen too much. And I can't go back. And I know my position. And the more I receive it, the more I can live like I'm a Christian who's called rather than just a Christian who's saved. And I don't know about anybody else, but I'm feeling urgency right now, like the countdown clock to when Jesus is going to split the sky in half and come back might just hit zero any day now. I feel urgency. And I don't want to live, like we're not guaranteed tomorrow. I don't want to live like I'm guaranteed tomorrow. I don't want to live like the the goal of my life is to arrive safely at death one day. Because our hope is not in this world. It's in the one who has saved this world, Jesus. 
Our positions are found in him. And we move forward as a church. We move forward, not for our performance, but from our positions. Receive your position. Let it change your posture from slave to son. Receive your position. Let it change your posture from servant to daughter, from nervous to confident, from apathetic to expectant, from full of shame to full of a new identity in Jesus Christ, from a prodigal who stays away from church because of lightning bolts to someone who can now confidently walk into church and show up as an imperfect person who's gonna worship this perfect God who has made them positionally perfect. Receive a position and watch what it does to your posture. A church, a group of people with live free postures. Galatians 5.1, right? You've been set free. It's for freedom that we have been set free. Jesus set us free from something, but equally as good, he set us free into something more, right? And our position is your key to engaging in that. You're not going to be used by God when this is what you're stressed about. Come to church. Maybe it'll work for you. I don't want to miss a thing. I do not want to miss a thing. I don't want us to miss a thing. God has so much more in store. He's just getting started. We were in Austin last year, my first time ever in Texas. We were trying to figure out which city we wanted to plant a Red Rocks church in. And um, I did not think it was going to be Austin until we got there and we're having conversations with college students, parents, pastors, professors, like every, like everybody, Christians, atheists. And I realized, I'm like, man, this city is so full of so many amazing people who I kind of resonate with. And, uh, and the word that we got so clearly from God is this city is a, is a hub for the prodigals of the Bible belt. And I mean that in the best way, hear my heart, because I resonated because that, that's my story. The team that's going with me, that's our story. This city is a hub for the prodigals of the Bible Belt, right? Because prodigal, like you don't run from God because you get sick of God. You run from God because you're burnt out on religion. That's why. You run from God because you're burnt out on your performance-based theology, exhausted from in to out. I'm pleasing God, I'm letting him down. I'm trying to stay in, oh, like you're exhausted. So you run thinking, surely there's something bigger and more powerful than this out there. And I kind of respect that because the answer to that question is, there is. There's a God who is above religion. There's a God who perfectly performed to give you a permanent position. And if Austin is a hub for prodigals, then why not go right into the right smack dab into the middle of that city and put a front porch there, right? So that's that's why we're going there. Because maybe you've tried religion, but that does not mean that you've tried Jesus. That's why we're going to Austin, but press pause on that right now, tonight, today whatever campus you're at, whenever you're watching this online at a later time. Maybe you've tried religion. That does not mean that you've tried Jesus. And maybe you walked in here today feeling distant from God, like you've drifted, right? Like he's all the way over there. I'm all the way over here. God is closer than you think. 
He's everywhere you go, and he brought you in here tonight to hear something specific. Your God does not do coincidence. And you might be wondering, maybe this is just emotions. I promise you, it, it might be emotions, but it's also something deeper than that. It's your father beckoning you, letting you know that he's here, and he doesn't want religion. He doesn't want some in and out game to play with you. He wants to know you in a real relationship. You are, you are more loved, more known, and more called than maybe you ever dared imagine. And tonight, I'm daring you to imagine it, that there's a God out there who, who spoke the universe into existence, yet wants a relationship with you. I'm believing that that's happening at all of our campuses right now. And so out of respect for the people in here who are about to receive Jesus into their lives with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're in here and you feel God prompting you, answer it, respond to it. You're not guaranteed tomorrow and you know this is real. You know this is real, you know there's a God you know the only way to him is Jesus. Jesus is how that God came for you so you would not have to go to him. And he's here right now wanting a relationship with you. And you can have that. You can be in forever in Christ simply just by receiving it. And so right now I want you to be bold and raise your hand. If you want Jesus, if you want heaven forever, just shoot your hand up right now. That's awesome. Heaven is getting more. I know our eyes are shut, but you guys can make some noise right now because literally heaven is getting more crowded right now. Me saying that your life just changed is the understatement of 2018. Congratulations. You have to follow Jesus for yourself. You were never meant to follow Jesus by yourself, but with a family. And this church ain't perfect, but I promise you, you will find family here if you try. These are good people in these buildings, people who love Jesus. We're just doing our best to follow him. We're doing our best to reach a world for his name. We're doing our best to receive this position so our postures can be lit on fire to go and let God use us in this world, in Denver and Austin and Brussels and tons of other cities soon. So God, we love you. I thank you for my friends in here who just received your son into their hearts. I pray that you'd keep them. I pray, I pray they would not walk out of here without telling somebody about the decision they just made. For everybody else, God, I pray that you just help us to receive receive our position like little kids on Christmas. Help us to do that so we can be free from trying to stay in when you, you made sure that, that we're in because you crushed your performance, God. We love you so much. We love you so much. And we have a reason to sing. We have a reason to worship. We have a reason to give praise tonight. And that's what we're about to do. Light our hearts on fire during this worship time, God. We love you so much, and we pray all of these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen. amen. Red Rocks Church, let's stand up and let's worship. <laughs>